the spirit dropped beneath it so that the extinguisher covered its whole form. But though Scrooge pressed it down with all his force, he could not hide the light which streamed from under it in an unbroken flood upon the ground. Odds are you've read A Christmas Carol. But did you know that you might be Scrooge? Today, we are Jacob Marley. We take you to your past and we help you change the future. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the KL Podcast. And Happy New Year. I know it's a little late. It's belated Happy New Year, but I hope you had plenty of mirth and merriment a couple nights ago. And it's uh, it's 2022. So, I mean, I don't know. Things are already looking up, right? Fresh start. How are we feeling? It's our first episode of the year, so we (laughs) can say Happy New Year. Yeah, Yeah. it's Happy New Year. And, and, uh, you know, we're going to turn things around a little bit. We didn't really say... Happy holidays or Merry Christmas or or Happy Hanukkah or anything on the previous ones. We were too busy talking about embarrassment, shame, and ultimately empathy, our holiday gift to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> we I gave mean. you anger on Thanksgiving. <laughs> we gave you shame on Christmas. You're welcome. That's right. Kale just delivering oh. wet blankets for all the holidays. That's there right. We're we're telling you what you're thinking and feeling on the inside. <laughs> and you know, uh, we're 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 really excited about this New Year's episode because we're gonna kick this 2022 season off with a challenge for ourselves and for you, should you be willing to accept it. Uh, this this 2022 New Year's challenge is specifically around something called the Dickens process. Dickens, as in Charles Dickens, as in, yes, it's still holiday-themed-ish. But yeah. I think we need to first define what this is, and then we'll, we'll start to explore a little bit about what we're trying to do. So, Tim, define Dickens' process for us. Well, there's going to be several definitions here, Henry, because we can start by defining the Dickens' process and saying that it is an NLP technique used by Tony Robbins. And the essence of it is based on Scrooge, where you look at the future and you examine what your life will look like if no changes are made to your current lifestyle and behavior. And the process basically uses your conscious mind to visualize both paths. And you're probably thinking to yourself, what is an NLP technique? <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. That's what I, was I can. I can answer that question for you as well. A NLP technique is actually neuro-linguistic programming. And it is a technique where we use the power of our own mind. There's all kinds of little offshoots of this. Actually, hypnotism (laughs) falls into it. Um, But we use NLPs um, to improve our confidence, self-awareness, communication skills. It's a lot of the, the power of me and can my mind get me going in the right direction. And as we all know, I mean, anybody who's been on earth for about 10 minutes knows who Tony Robbins is and knows how he runs his seminars. They're very powerful. And he is all about NLP. 
So that's a good okay. start for us. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Okay, NLP, neuro, whatever, whatever. Uh, all right, Dr. Tim. <laughs> Henry, give me neuro-linguistic me... programming. Yes, this is important, yes. okay? Don't like leave the on me two minutes into this. You are making me very sleepy. Tell me what Dickens' process is in normal human terms. Because just in case somebody hasn't seen or read The Christmas Carol, explain exactly what this means. Sure. So in A Christmas Carol... Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, if you're on a first name basis, <laughs> is visited by three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, ghost of Christmas present, ghost of Christmas future. And it basically shows him his life and where we really want to kind of drill down today is on the future. And so in Christmas Carol, Scrooge is shown by the ghost of Christmas future what his life will look like if he doesn't change. And so where we really want to put our attention today and in the new year is on self-limiting beliefs that we may be carrying. And this is a little tricky because if you really believe something, it's hard to come to the conclusion that what you believe is wrong. I mean, I think yeah. especially in this social media driven world, we spend our entire lives debating our beliefs. And, you know, if it's in our customized playbook, we cling to it. Nobody wants to change their mind. But that's going to be the, the first hard part of this exercise is you yeah. thinking about what you currently believe and what is wrong and what is damaging to your future. And then we talk about changing it. That's a lot, I know. Yeah, you know, when, when we were researching for this, that's one of the things that stood out to me most, Tim, is it's going to take a ton of self-awareness to identify that, right? Or to acknowledge that there may be something I'm not, I may be wrong about, or it's going to take a ton of, or a, a big desire to want to learn more or be more, right? It's got to come, for me anyway, those are the two areas I identified where maybe you can, you can come in through to start the process of saying, hey, maybe I have some self-limiting beliefs that are holding me back. We've talked about this at home a lot in, in my own house. We talk about how when you start to shape this belief about who you are, your, your mind starts to tell you that you're this person, you're competing against your unwillingness to be wrong. Kind of like Tim was saying, I mean, if, if I think that I am um, you know, a, a bad person, then I'm unwilling to be, I want to be right. So I'm going to prove myself right by becoming a bad person. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I mean, why would I want to prove myself wrong? That doesn't, so it's contradictory in every possible way. And there's some great examples that we'll go through here. But these self-limiting beliefs, they are, they are both professional, but they are also personal. And it's probably the personal beliefs that impact our professional beliefs. Isn't that the right way to look at this? Yeah, I think so. Um, the key here is that we all have core beliefs, right or wrong. We have beliefs, right, and they shape and guide the decisions that we make. And that's why it's important, because it's not just some kind of, you know, <laughs> oh, we have some beliefs and they don't really affect anything. They guide our decisions and our decisions shapes our life. So kind of the essence of our life is rooted in our beliefs. And you really have to click down on those beliefs 
and try to understand where maybe you're not right. We're going to bucketize these beliefs into three major categories. We've talked a lot about the beliefs that we have about ourselves, but there's two others. There's the beliefs that we have about other people and then the belief about the world that we're in. And these beliefs can be both unreasonably negative or unreasonably or unfounded uh, with positivity. So you could be looking through the world with rose colored glasses and not really see what it truly is, or you could have an un, you know, unwavering negative view of everything around you. Those beliefs can potentially have um, an adverse impact on your life. So the trick is being able to go back into the past and look at yourself and understand how those beliefs impacted you then, how they're impacting you today. And like Tim said, how they're going to impact you in the future if you don't do anything about it. That's exactly right. So to recap, three types of unhealthy beliefs, beliefs about ourselves, beliefs about others, and beliefs about the world in general. And then it's critical that we understand that these unhealthy beliefs can often turn into self-fulfilling prophecy. So what are some examples? Let's not get into our personal stories just yet. You know, just to kind of get everyone's creative minds working, what are some examples of unhealthy beliefs that may have turned into self-fulfilling prophecy? Here's an example. So a person thinks they're unlovable, so they seek out a relationship where they're not loved. As a result, they're proven right. They're not lovable. And the cycle repeats over and over again. You've probably seen it in people that you encounter in your life. Yeah, it's a good one, Henry. I mean, yeah. I think we've all we've all seen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think another one we can we've probably all seen or, or maybe even felt at some point in our lives is, you know, someone thinking that everyone is inherently bad, right? Everyone around you is bad. And even when someone is kind to them, they assume that there's ulterior motives. Um, and, and, and then you keep, they keep everyone at a distance or you keep everyone at a distance. Right. And then that just, again, like Henry's example, it continues to perpetuate itself and it's, it's cyclical at that point. You guys have all seen these people, the people who say, I'm not good at networking. And you go to an event and you see that person who says, I'm not good at networking, standing in the corner, looking awkward, (laughs) and no one wants to talk to them. And they're like, see, I don't meet anybody. Of course you're not going to meet anybody. You're standing over there in the corner. Come on, man. Yeah, there's a really close correlation between this conversation and growth mindset. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not even really close to being the same, but they're related somehow in that the belief that you can do something, you know, can you change? Can you grow? You have to have a growth mindset before you can even embark on this exercise where we're identifying unhealthy beliefs and trying to set a better course forward with the Dickens process. You know, several times we've said, you've got to control your thoughts, right? And you've got to control it at its inception, right? Or when it's beginning. And I think it ties pretty closely to this, this topic as well, right? Because if we're not, if we're not identifying it and capturing it as it's happening, it's, it's hard to identify what's, or to change what's happening. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked about how unhealthy beliefs, lead to poor decision making but to clean that up a little bit unhealthy beliefs often lead to unhealthy habits and unhealthy habits often produce negative outcomes so 
We've talked about identifying an unhealthy belief. How do we change that self-limiting belief? And that's when the Dickens process comes in. So we identify the belief, and then we think about the consequences of no change. And we ask ourselves these questions. What would be the costs of your limiting beliefs or bad habits if you don't change them? How could you possibly hurt the people you love in the future? How will this affect your future business life? And then after we talk about consequences, then we think about the benefits of change and we ask ourselves these three questions. What are your new empowering patterns and beliefs? How will your career evolve? How will your personal life change? This is heavy stuff. It's really heavy. I actually read somewhere that said, oh, you know, you don't want to start digging into these beliefs unless you're with a therapist. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I think we can self-examine all we want. Um, but yeah, it is he it's heavy material, no doubt. It, you're right. And, and, and what you may choose to dig into, the consequence and the benefit, but you, you know, this habit you have, it doesn't have to be a heavy right. habit. You can choose right. anything. So, you know, maybe start someplace where you feel comfortable, where you can actually go and affect change on your own without, without the help of a large group, and then get, get deeper once you start to see some success. Maybe that might be a place to start. Yeah. And I mean, I always do better when I hear and see examples. And fortunately for our audience, we are going to be the Dickens process guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> so... Jeez. Josh, <laughs> take it away, guinea pig. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, hey, well, let me pull myself out from underneath the bus. Uh, thanks for volunteering me up first. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Henry, I wish you would have said earlier that it didn't have to be something heavy because it would have uh, it would have uh, made my this process a little bit easier for me. Oh, now I'm really excited. <laughs> no, no, about no, this. no, really, it's not. <laughs> um, genuinely, you know, we were going through this. I when I was thinking about myself, I, I genuinely believe that I am not destined for. I don't know how to define, I don't want to say success because that's got a big, it's a broad con, a broad definition. I don't feel like I am destined for professional big success, if that makes sense or not. Like even, even the station yeah. that I'm at now professionally, I feel like I'm on borrowed time. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sorry. That's heavy, Josh. Yeah. It is heavy, man. All right. I, I, can we stop for just one second, Josh? Because I, I know that you're feeling a lot right now, but this is to me like what's so interesting about what you just said. In my head, I'm like, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think that this is probably one of these interesting things that can happen whenever you expose something that you're feeling this belief about yourself. Right. That, that that you just soon discovered people around you're going, you feel that way about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't I, feel that way about you. Yeah, you, well, I think you have you ever thought that about, about Josh? No. No. no, but I think, uh, I think it's a good spot to click down and first say that success is a relative term. Sure. Right. It, you know, we can call it work ethic or whatever, but I feel like I've got to double work double time just to justify my existence. Um, no. And when Interesting. I, yeah, and, and when I click down on that and, and think about maybe where the, the origins of that are from, 
you know, I think about my childhood and, and even, you know, conversations with my parents where it was, hey, you just, you put your head down and work. You know, it's yeah. not, a, you know, you, you, you accomplish a paycheck. That's your goal, right? And being a, a first, you know, generation individual in the corporate world, I would say, um, it's it's foreign right i mean the, the years that i've spent here are the first years that my family has spent here right i mean and my siblings as well um and so it's 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 intimidating for me a lot and and i do think that i i self sabotage sometimes in saying that i'm i'm capped like i am i should consider myself lucky for where i'm at and i need to keep my head down and work as i repeat those words in my head and 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 i shouldn't expect more yeah, that's a good share, Josh. I think a good place to start with that, Josh, is to acknowledge that success is relative. The, the entire concept of success, quote unquote, success is relative. And, you know, maybe the way that you define success is the way you start forward with that, you know, because yeah. I, you know, Henry can, I don't think Henry's going to say anything different than me. But when I look at you and I say, I'm not looking at what position you have at work or what you're doing on a daily basis. I just look at your life in general, you know, good father, good husband, has great family life, you know, touch so many people at work in a positive way. I mean, to me, that's success. Right. So maybe it's just ambiguous goals. Um, I don't know. Do you feel... Like, if you don't mind me clicking down on this, so is it a feeling that where you are right now is based on fraudulently just kind of <laughs> skipping your way through it and getting to where you are? Or do you feel like the path forward isn't possible because you've kind of maxed out? I think it's more about the path forward. Um, like, I, I, I feel like I've capped out, honestly. And, and like I yeah. mentioned earlier, I think the station, there's times when I feel the station that I'm at now, I should have never been here, right? Like I'm fortunate to be here. And I, it's, it's different between gratitude, right? I'm grateful that I'm here, but yeah. deep inside myself, I feel like you, you were never meant to be here, right? And because I do feel I have, you know, accomplished some level of success for myself professionally. Like I mentioned, I never thought I would be in the station that I'm at or a position that I'm in. I wouldn't say that I feel like it's, it's fraudulent. I genuinely feel like I've, I've earned my space, yeah. but at the same time, there's pressure like to maintain because I don't feel like I, like I quote unquote belong here. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly step one, you've identified it as an unhealthy belief. Yeah which is correct. That's not healthy, Josh. Yeah. I hate it that you feel that way, but it isn't, it isn't healthy. So, I mean, what are the costs of that belief if you don't change that belief? You know, for, for me, the biggest cost for me, and, and like I mentioned, when I was kind of unpacking, you know, my childhood and, you know, me and my siblings being kind of first generation in a professional quote unquote career. Um, I, I see, wherever my max is or wherever I cap out at, <clears throat> I see that as a baseline for, for my kids, right. Or for them to see what's possible in life. And to yeah. me, that's, that's the potential downside, right. Is what it is that I'm, that I am projecting to them. And, you know, I haven't verbalized that before, but I don't know if my actions do or subconsciously I do. And I don't want them to feel that way. 
right? I don't want them to, to limit themselves from a growth perspective, whether it's professional or not. But to me, that's the biggest takeaway is wherever I leave my professional baseline, to me, that's what my kids see as, as the baseline, right? And so for, yeah. me to, for me to cap myself, I'm capping, I'm capping their, their thoughts. So, so what's the path forward on that, Josh? I mean, how do you, how do you change that belief? I think the biggest thing is for me just to revisit what success is for me, right? It's, yeah, it's, I agree. It's a broad term. Um, if I can take step out of myself and take a look in, or maybe go back to, you know, where I identified maybe those thoughts came from as a child, I can tell you right now, my, my 10 year old self never would have seen me where my, you know, my 42 year old, 43 year old self is. <laughs> so right. um, there, there's some success there. Absolutely. No doubt. Um, and, and, and to click down a little bit more, it's, it, it's conv- I don't say convincing myself, it's telling myself that I belong where I'm at, that I'm not on borrowed time, that luck didn't get me here, that, that I, I, I earned where I'm at, you know, and, and I think if I can get those, those thoughts right in my head, I'm headed, I'm headed in the right direction. Yeah, I think step one for you, Josh, is exactly what you said, is revisiting your definition of success. And I wouldn't do that just in random thoughts in your head. I'd get out pen and paper. What do I believe success is? And maybe you do it from the perspective of what did I think success was when I was a kid? You know, what do I think success is right now? And then this is a trick that Jeff Bezos uses when he's making a lot of decisions. He says, what would my 80 year old self advise me to do? Yeah. So maybe you look through those three lenses and that's where you kind of kick off this transformation for yourself. That's an awesome share though, Josh. Unsurprisingly, Josh, Tim wants you to make a list, not just a list, (laughs) but three separate lists. List it out. You know, it's it's funny. One of the things I read and I didn't think it applied so much to me, but talking through this, it it really does (laughs) to a large degree. It says you're stronger than you think you are. And then it said your brain lies to you sometimes. Yeah, but, uh, maybe just acknowledging that my uh, my thoughts or my brain is lying to me. Yeah, it's That's... true. Henry, did you think of an unhealthy belief? It, well, I did. Have? Yeah, I did. But now I'm 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 really not feeling as confident in my unhealthy belief because Josh's was so meaty and meaningful. Mine feels <laughs> much more lightweight. But there, there. Well, I'm a, I'm going to be shallow, also, Henry. So okay, good, go right good, ahead, buddy. good company then. No, there, there's a little substance. So forever for as long as i can remember i have believed that i just i'm not good at reading books and it's a little deeper than that it's actually that i can't absorb the material and i can't uh, understand major themes and it gets even deeper than that it may be that might just not be as smart as i like to think that i am Mm, that is that's that's the underlying thing here i'm just not that smart well, I'm creative and funny, but I'm not that smart. And I think back to how this impacted me as a kid. I mean, I remember like being, um, I, I remember mispronouncing words and being and reading the same sentence multiple times and not understanding it. We've all had those moments where we've read the page to the end and realized that we didn't remember reading anything on the page. Yeah, It took me a long time to understand that this is all normal stuff. You don't get better at reading unless you keep reading. You know, avoiding reading doesn't improve your ability to read. Um, 
And I'm also, you know, I was also like a, a kid, just a regular kid, you know, a kid who was, I don't know, like every other seven-year-old in 1982. I was, I was fidgety. I was, you know, more interested in cartoons. I wanted to play make-believe. I didn't want to read any books. And, you know, it, it's kind of a miracle that somehow I managed to graduate college with a degree in creative writing and religion, both <laughs> which require a lot of reading. Lot of reading. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how I did it. But you know how it impacts me today is that uh, I'm I'm in my current role. I have to do a lot of reading. As a matter of fact, we begin our most of our meetings with ten or fifteen minutes of reading over all the material before anyone even speaks. Yeah. And I've got to be prepared to comprehend what I'm on, what I'm reading, and then to be able to prepare questions about it, to be able to understand why other people are asking the questions they're asking. And I'll tell you guys uh, two things occurred to me whenever I dove deep into this. One, recently in the past couple of years, I wasn't reading much because I couldn't see because I didn't realize I needed glasses for anything that was close up. I mean, I hold everything at an arm's length to be able to read it. Sometimes I'm even one eye. You guys ever did that one eye thing? You're trying to read it like this, you know? I do, I do actually. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Josh. So I got glasses, that's helped. The other thing is I wasn't always reading the stuff that I liked. Yeah, And I've, I've told this to my kids. I was like, who cares what you read? Read what you like. If you like comic books, read comic books. You know, if you like reading stories about cats, read stories about cats. I wasn't reading what I liked. So uh, this, is, this is my go forward plan here, my path forward. I've got a membership to the library. I've, I've mentioned this before. Uh, I'm checking out books. I'm putting books on my, on my list. I'm looking at New York Times for bestsellers and categories that I appreciate like murders, yeah. mysteries, adventures, that kind of stuff. It's not like heavy reading, but I like it. I also read, yeah. you know, some Hemingway and, you know, some of the classics. And, you know, I'm, I'm grabbing books and I'm, I'm, I'm reading them. And my, I think my goal here, you know, I'm kind of like sh- grasping at straws here. We'll figure out what makes sense, but I'd like to read three or four books a month. I think that's reasonable. It's a lofty goal. It's yeah. a lofty goal, but it's something to shoot for. And if I'm, if I'm truly reading what I enjoy, then I yeah. should be able to, to get through it. Yeah. And there's, I mean, we don't need to go through, we could do a whole episode on the benefits of reading. Uh, but I think that's going to improve your life in a multitude of different ways, Henry. And you've yeah. heard me say this many times and you always roll your eyes, which is exactly <laughs> why I'm going to say it right now. <laughs> but not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers, Henry. There it is. <laughs> You're welcome. Here's the eye roll. (laughs) Everyone should roll their eyes. Although it's true, everyone should still roll their eyes. Yes. Yes. Delivery is everything. Well, uh, it it is beneficial and I am looking forward to doing it. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be able to report back when we hear more from Josh. I'm excited to report back on how I'm doing, but we can't, we can't report back until all three of us have reported in. So Tim, what have you been thinking about? What's this belief you've got about yourself that you're going to work on? Thanks for asking. <laughs> Mine has to do with physical fitness. Um, and on the surface, it kind of feels like, oh, maybe there's not too much to that. But similar to Henry's, you start clicking down, you follow the wire. It is pretty deep. So I was an athlete growing up. I love ball sports. I mean, that is and that's really where my passion is. If basketball, baseball, even golf, 
you know, anything where there's like a competitive ball sport, I love it. And I love cardio. I mean, I ran a lot um, as a young athlete, but what I did not like was the weight room. I hated it. And I think part of that is because I didn't really have any desire to have this bodybuilding body. You know, I was pretty happy with my self-image and, you know, slender and, you know, but not, but not super muscle bound. Well, as I've gotten older, it has become very apparent that lifting weights and focusing on core strength, it isn't about being a huge bodybuilder anymore. It's about preserving the muscle that I have, because at a certain age, you start losing muscle if you don't weight train and if you don't strengthen your core. What I'm talking about is improving my own physical fitness and actually extending my own life. And I think at my age, and I'm middle-aged, but when you strengthen your core, you're actually extending the time that you're going to be upright, the time that you're going to be walking. Yeah, yeah, literally upright. That's right. You're delaying the wheelchair. And I know that's you know, nobody really wants to think about that because that's a little dark, but let's be honest, we're all going to get old. There's going to be a point in our life for most of us when we can't walk. And that's where my head is right now. It has to do everything with the future, has to do with strengthening my core and maintaining my muscle mass. And so about three weeks ago, I really committed myself to doing some weight training and I'm not in there throwing, you know, blocks of huge amounts of weight around uh, but it's lightweight training. I've felt better. I've slept better. I feel motivated. And I'm going to try to stay the course for all of 2022. Um, so more to come on that. But that is a longstanding belief of mine. And I guess I didn't really state the belief super clear because I said, oh, I don't like the weight room. The belief that's unhealthy is that the weight room doesn't do me any good. Weight training is not beneficial to me. That's the belief. And I've had to reshape that belief because it is beneficial to me. And I understand how it is now. And I'm down the road of, you know, forging a path forward that involves some weight training for myself. So more to come on that. Yeah, that's good, Tim. I mean, I would say, and you said, and you're exactly right. You said it extends your life right? Yeah. And you said this in your examples, but I think it's important to say too, in extending your life and going through that type of training, you're extending the, or you're improving the quality of your life within those years as well. Right. And, and yeah, I don't know anybody who that's not important to. Um, so that, I mean, that's a good, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm taking that one kind of personal. I'm being honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and it, you know, if you look at the the question that really just hit home for me was how does this belief affect the people that you love in the future? Right. And, you know, clearly if my life is shorter, it affects the people that I love, but I've taken care of an elderly parent. That is hard, hard work. I mean, yeah. I don't want my kids or my wife to have to take care of me at a young age or at an age younger than they should. So, you know, as long as I can maintain my physical health, um, I think that benefits everyone. So we're getting stronger. Yes. We're getting smarter. 
Yes. And we understand what our success goals are. Yes. Check, mm-hmm. check, check. And these are not resolutions. These are no. these are our goals through the Dickens process. That's right. So for, any, Tim, for anyone who's wondering, I'm still making a 2022 blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> this is not instead of my annual blueprint. Oh, go man. back to last new year if you want more information on that. But I think this is an interesting exercise that we're going to uh, engage in in 2022. And I encourage everyone who's listening to do the same. All right. Well, then we'll talk more about this. We'll bring it up again, check in on each other, see where we're at on our goals as we, as we progress throughout the year. So Tim, why don't you wrap it up for us? What did we learn today? Well, I think we learned that we all have core beliefs that guide the decisions we make. And those beliefs affect how we interpret the events in our life. And they influence the way that we think, feel, and behave. The unrealistic, self-limiting beliefs we hold on to, and everyone has these, can hold us back from reaching our greatest potential, just like Josh talked about. So we have to identify and examine which beliefs might be inaccurate and unproductive. Then we take the steps to let go of those beliefs that are limiting our potential. And the Dickens process is a powerful way in which we can take our limiting beliefs, project them into the future, and see what our life would look like if we didn't make any changes. Those limiting beliefs can cause misery and damage relationships in the future if we don't address them now. So let's use the Dickens process. We visualize what that unchanged future looks like. We instantly want to change it for the better. 2022 is when we transform our lives. Good luck out there. It's not a resolution. It's a self-inspection of those limiting beliefs that prevent us from becoming the people we truly want to be in the future or today or have prevented us in the past. We identify them. We're going to take steps to improve them. Measurable steps. For more KL podcasts, visit kindleadershipproject.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or find us on your favorite streaming service. This podcast is an expression of the views of Kind Leadership and its team. We're always open for discussion, so find us on social media and give us your thoughts.